0: and welcome to today's service. Um, It's always a great pleasure and a thing of honor to be able to bring God's Word to his people. Uh, I want to thank you also for allowing us into your private space to minister the Word of God unto you and we will just take a word of prayer before we go into today's message. Father in the name of Jesus first we thank you. We thank you for the definite supply of your spirit for this particular Event. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that by that supply you grant utterance. I will speak your word in accuracy, both with simplicity and in power. That the grace of our Lord Jesus will be ministered into the hearts of people and light will shine upon our path in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, there's a subject I spoke about this on, on Wednesday, and I want to continue uh, this thought um, um, today. I won't be too long. I'll be here for about 35 minutes just to share this particular concept in the Word of God. And it's something that I have, um, when I became a Christian and I saw it in God's Word, I knew in my heart uh, by the unction of the Holy Spirit that there had to be more to this than what was being said. Because the Word of God is to liberate us. Uh, The Word of God doesn't bring us into bondage or any form of confinement. So when I saw that particular word or phrase being used in Scripture, I knew it wasn't the English, All unquote understanding that that word was actually in English-speaking too. That wasn't what the Spirit of God was probably communicating in that particular Scripture. And it's found in the book of, let me just read this, Isaiah chapter 49. And we see this. I also quote it somewhere else. Isaiah chapter 49. And we will see uh, used here in verse 4, I believe. Alright? Now it goes on and it tells us that, Then I said I've labored in vain, Isaiah 49, and verse 4. And I've spent my strength for naught, and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with my God, and my reward is with him. My work is with my God. And then he goes on and says, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer, in verse 7, Of Israel, the Holy One, to whom man despiseth, to whom nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings will see thee and arise. So he was coming out of an experience where he felt he was completely unrewarded. He got into a place where he was despised, where nations abhorred him, rejected him a servant of rulers, he said, kings will see thee and arise, and princes will bow down and worship, because the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, he has chosen thee. Then here we get to it. Thus hear the Lord in an acceptable time have I heard thee. In a day of salvation have I helped thee. So that that word used there, in an acceptable time, have I had thee. In a day of salvation, have I helped thee. Now that throws it out into the air. So I look at the promises of God, throws it up into the air, and I say to myself, when will this acceptable time be? When is this day of salvation? Now, there's scripture that says, now is the acceptable time, now is the day of salvation. However, what exactly was the prophet referring to when he spoke by the Spirit of God about an acceptable time. Then I saw the words of Jesus Christ in the book of Luke chapter 4. And this is when Jesus was commissioned, was was announcing his ministry into the earth. And we must understand how strategic and important this moment was. Now let's look at the wordings there and the scripture that Jesus quoted in Luke and chapter 4. And it tells us, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So Jesus said the second thing he has sent me to do is to heal those whose hearts are broken. Now, Jesus understood that a wounded the spirit of a man Will sustain the infirmity of his flesh. But then a wounded spirit will produce what it said in scripture dryness in the bones. In other words, the assignment, one of the assignments of the spirit is to give life to the body and to sustain the infirmity of the body and carry the body. So once you affect the spirit of a person and that person's heart is wounded, that person's spirit is broken, then one of the resultant effects of it is going to show up in the body of that person. So Jesus here, he didn't say anything about the killing of physical bodies in his commission to ministry. Now we know he did that. But he was speaking to something that was much deeper than that. And he said, so he has sent me to heal the broken Now, when a person's heart is broken, it means they suffered great disappointment, betrayal. Something that affected their hearts and damaged their hearts. And as the physical heart is responsible for pumping blood, that spiritual heart, the core of your being, is also responsible for pumping life. To preach, he went on, he says this, deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, And then he goes again and says, to set at liberty them who are bruised. Now, when you're bruised, he's not talking about physical bruise here. He's talking about being bruised on the inside. Being wounded and damaged on the inside. So he's almost referring to what people sometimes might term, and they might have used it wrongly, but the healing of the memories of people. Going back into places within their lives where they've been bruised, where they've been wounded, where they've been heartbroken, and repairing that damage that was done within themselves. I mean, a lot of character defects that we see in people is a result of these wounds and these things that occurred in the lives of people. For example, it tells us that the scripture says, let the lame foot be healed rather than being torn out of the way. So when a person gets torn out of the way, it's coming from a wound. Because it says, let the lame foot be healed rather than being torn out of the way. So if there is no healing there, then the person, there will be a major character defect and a curve in the character of that person from that particular point on. So a lot of the character disorders we see in people, whereby you speak to somebody and the person is everything, it's intelligent, everything, and it's almost like a duality in their personality, which means that it's because it's not, it's not because, it, it may not be because they are mean-spirited or just evil as you might attribute it to. It could be an open soul within their hearts, a wound that is deep down on the inside of them that has been suppressed. And that wound that is coming out of that's why the young child, when who had that um, 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 situation, and the disciples couldn't cast out and couldn't heal him, and he'll he'll be thrown into fire, thrown into water, and the boy suddenly will behave in certain ways. And Jesus said, "When did this enter into him?" He said, "When he was a child." In other words, something must have happened that allowed or gave permission or opened up a door for his spirit to enter into that boy when he was a child. So something must have happened. And so Jesus came and said, look, I've come to minister, healing to the deepest parts of people's beings. And then he concluded by saying to preach again, this is the point where I saying the acceptable year of the Lord. So here he talks about it being the acceptable year of the Lord. I've come to preach that acceptable year. It tells us, in the acceptable time, I will hear thee. In the day of salvation, I will help thee. So your prayers will be heard in that acceptable time. You will receive help, which means you come up to the throne of grace, and, uh, and you receive mercy or obtain mercy and find grace to help. In other words, grace is poured forth into your life in that area in which you are praying or making your supplications. And you've obtained the mercy of God. In fact, another says to preach the year of God's favor upon his people. In other words, Jesus said, I've come to announce unto you the acceptable year or the season of God's favor right upon man. So, what's this acceptable year? Now, the word used there for acceptable year goes back to something that it was termed the Jubilee. And it was the 50th year. Every 50th calendar, or 50th year in the calendar, all right, of the Jewish, uh, or the Jewish calendar, on the 50th year, they were to celebrate what was called Jubilee. And it was a very significant year. And on the 10th day of the seventh month, it was the most important day in the Jewish calendar. And they were to honor that particular day, also on the 50th year. And it was called the Day of the Atonement. Now let's look at what went on there and we'll bring all of this into perspective. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. Now, so the acceptable year was the year of jubilee. The acceptable time is that time of jubilee. Once there is jubilee going on on the earth, God says, I am going to. That is the acceptable time where I will hear your prayers. All what you're praying about, once you enter into that season called jubilee, I'm going to hear those prayers. For it's the acceptable time It is the set time to favor his people with life. So weeping may endure for the night. All right? Or his wrath may endure for a moment. But in his favor, the scripture says, there is life. Weeping therefore might endure. But it tells us joy. Weeping comes in the night. But joy comes in the morning. And what is joy all about? When God turned the captivity of Zion, they were like them that dreamt. It says "They that go forth bearing precious seed weeping shall doubtless return coming with sheaves, with joy, bringing sheaves, which means is a time of harvest, is a massive time of ingathering. If we go there to Isaiah, we're going to get into this 11th course, but let's go back to Isaiah 49. What happens in that acceptable time when God hears you And in the day in which God helps you, what's the experience that you get in life? Isaiah 49 tells us this. It says, They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water. And then it goes on and says, Thy children shall make haste, and the destroyers that made the waste shall go forth from thee. Lift up thine eyes round about. Behold, all these gather themselves together and then come to thee. So it's almost a come together in agreement. It's almost like what begins to go on, let's say, in the life of a church. I'm just saying as a church now. People, you just hear that they are forming groups in offices and talking and then they gather together and then decide within that gathering as a flock, as a group that we're going to this person's ministry. Something is going on in the realm of the spirit. People are gathering together, friends and networks on this earth and saying, this is the person we're going to do business with. This is the lawyer we're going to hire now. And they all shift as groups like that into your own space. Now, what's going on there? As I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt clothe thee with them all as with an ornament, and bind them on thee as a bride doeth. For thy waste places and desolate places and land of destruction. It says, evil now shall be too narrow, which means wherever you are dwelling is going to be too small. Too narrow, by reason of the inhabitants, you will outgrow anywhere you are it becomes too small by reason of the inhabitants. And they that swallowed thee up will be far away from you. So those who are stopping the blessing from coming in will be very distant away from you. Thy children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other. And when you got broken hearted was when you lost the other. When you got bruised was the experience of having lost the other. So you're coming out of a season where it looked like you've labored alright for naught, you've spent your strength for naught, you've labored in vain, you've not been rewarded, you've lost things. And then he goes on and says this, After you've lost the other, shall say again in thy ears, This place is too straight. The too narrow, too small. Give place to me that I may dwell. Go and get something bigger. This office is too small. This factory you're using is too small. This church building is too small. The people themselves are saying, with what we know is going on in the streets and the conversations going on on the streets, this place has become too small for thee. Now, what's your own response to that? Because you had nothing to do with it, so to speak. Then thou shalt say in thy heart, Who hath begotten me these? Seeing I lost my children, I was desolate, a captive, going to and fro. Who hath brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. Where had they been? Thus hear the Lord. Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles and set my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons upon their arms, and their daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Why is that going on? Because it's the acceptable time. Why is that going on? Because it's the time to favor. When is that set time? It says it can be now. What does that mean? Jesus said, I've come to preach, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He was saying, it's not going to be every 50 years again. The acceptable year of the Lord is now. You don't have to wait for 50 years for jubilee. Every single year can be declared as the year that God favors you. As the year where you experience all of this, provided you understand the spiritual connotation of that particular thing called acceptable. What were the responsibilities that were laid upon? The person who was celebrating the jubilee there, that once you engage in a spiritual pile of that, then you're going to have a complete turn around within your life. And you'll be shocked at the things that will start. you have to obey this particular injunction with everything you have within your being for your future hinges upon this. So Jesus said it's the acceptable year. Alright, the acceptable year. Now, Jesus quoted Isaiah 61. Now, let's read what was actually said in Isaiah 61. He quoted, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, sent me to bind the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, and opening of prison to them that are bound, or to them that are bruised. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and he stopped there. But in addition to that, then we start having clarity and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. So we're talking about, all right, this Jubilee, and he says to proclaim. All right, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, so we'll get back to that. Then he says to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That you might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and he will be glorified in your life. So, this acceptable time, which is Jubilee. What actually went on there? In Leviticus chapter 25, which was a fiscal pile of something, verse 1, The Lord spoke unto Moses, all right, in Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that when you have come to the land that I give you, then shall you keep a Sabbath unto, unto me. Six years shall thou sow thy field, six years will ye prune and gather your fruit, but on the seventh year, it shall be a sabbath of rest unto the land, a sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field, nor prune thy vine yet. That which groweth out in its own accord of the harvest shalt thou not reap. Neither will you gather the grapes out of the vine dress, for it is a year of rest unto the land. Now, so on the seventh year, in the nation of Israel, and this was very crucial. In fact, it was their disobedience to this that brought them into a 70-year bondage in Babylon because they didn't honor the seventh-year Sabbath and continued working. All right? So the nation of Israel on the seventh year, everybody stops what they're doing. And everybody goes into a state of rest. Say, so how are we going to, therefore, Able, God shows up during that Sabbath rest. And things began to happen. Powerful things. But it was a time of restoration for the land. So one of the message, redemptive messages in the Abrahamic covenant was actually the way and manner they treated the create, creation and the earth. And so people that talk about you know, treating the earth properly, It's just that they don't frame it properly. You you can actually frame it from the scriptures. Alright? The environment is part of the redemptive work of Jesus. We just don't want to go into that today. Or you say, well, the earth is going to be destroyed. Well, your body also is going to be destroyed. This body doesn't belong to the new life. But you still All right, have a responsibility to your physical body to keep it because you live here, and you have a responsibility to your environment to keep it because you are living within this environment. In fact, the commandment Adam was given as his work was the environment. So then he goes on and says, The Sabbath, all right, shall be, and all of this. And then he went on and said, And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths, in verse 8, of the years unto the seven times seven years, and the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be forty and nine years. So he says, you will do that every seven years, but then on the seventh year in that cycle, which means on the seventh time in a cycle of seven years, which gets to forty-nine years, you will now keep on the fiftieth year, The grand Sabbath, which is called Jubilee. That is the acceptable year of the Lord.
1: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
0: If you go there to Isaiah, we're going to get into this. What happens in that acceptable time when God hears you and in the day in which God helps you? What's the experience that you get in life? Isaiah 49 tells us this. It says, They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water. And then it goes on and says, Thy children shall make haste, and the destroyers that made the waste shall go forth from thee. Lift up thine eyes round about. Behold, all these gather themselves together and then come to thee. So it's almost a come together in agreement. It's almost like what begins to go on, let's say, in the life of a church. I'm just saying as a church now. People, you just hear that they are forming groups in offices and talking, and then they gather together and then decide within that gathering as a flock, as a group that we're going to this person's ministry. Something is going on in the realm of the Spirit. People are gathering together, friends and networks on this earth and saying, this is the person we're going to do business with. This is the lawyer we're going to hire now. And they all shift as groups like that into your own space. Now what's going on there? As I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt clothe thee with them all as with an ornament, and bind them on thee as a bride doeth. For thy waste places, and desolate places, and land of destruction, it says, even now shall be too narrow. Which means wherever you are dwelling is going to be too small too narrow, by reason of the inhabitants, you will outgrow anywhere you are. It becomes too small by reason of the inhabitants. And they that swallow thee up will be far away from you. So those who are stopping the blessing from coming in will be very distant away from you. Thy children which thou shall have after thou hast lost the other. And when you got broken hearted was when you lost the other. When you got bruised was the experience of having lost the other. So you're coming out of a season where it looked like you've labored alright for naught. You've spent your strength for naught. You've labored in vain. You've not been rewarded. You've lost things. And then he goes on and says this. After you've lost the other, shall say again in thy ears, this place is too straight. The is too narrow, too small. Give place to me that I may dwell. Go and get something bigger. This office is too small. This factory you're using is too small. This church building is too small. The people themselves are saying, with what we know is going on in the streets and the conversations going on on the streets, this place has become too small for thee. Now, what's your own response to that? Because you had nothing to do with it, so to speak. Then thou shalt say in thy heart, Who hath begotten me these? Seeing I lost my children, I was desolate, a captive, going to and fro. Who hath be- brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. Where had they been? Thus hear the Lord. Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles and set my standard to the people and they shall bring thy sons upon their arms and their daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Why is that going on? Because it's the acceptable time. Why is that going on? Because it's the time to favor. When is that set time? It says it can be now. What does that mean? Jesus said, I've come to preach, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He was saying, It's not going to be every 50 years again. The acceptable year of the Lord is now. You don't have to wait for 50 years for Jubilee. Every single year can be declared as the year that God favors you, as the year where you experience all of this, provided you understand the spiritual connotation of that particular thing called acceptable. What were the responsibilities that were laid upon the person who was celebrating the jubilee there that once you engage in a spiritual pile of that then you are going to have a complete turn around within your life and you'll be shocked at the things that will start you have to obey this particular injunction with everything you have within your being for your future hinges upon this So, Jesus said it's the acceptable year. All right, the acceptable year. Now, Jesus quoted Isaiah 61. Now, let's read what was actually said in Isaiah 61. He quoted The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. sent me to bind the broken hearted, proclaim liberty to the captive, and opening of prison to them that are bound, or to them that are bruised. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and he stopped there. But in ad- addition to that, then we start having clarity, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. So we're talking about, all right, this jubilee, and it says to proclaim, all right, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Now, so we'll get back to that. Then it says to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that you might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and he will be glorified in your life. So this acceptable time, which is Jubilee, what actually went on then? In Leviticus chapter 25, which was a fiscal pile of something, verse 1, the Lord spoke unto Moses, all right, in Sinai, saying, speak to the children of Israel, that when you've come to the land that I give you, then shall you keep a Sabbath unto unto me. Six years shall thou sow thy field. Six years will ye prune and gather your fruit. But on the seventh year, it shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land. A Sabbath for the Lord, thou shalt neither sow thy field, nor prune thy vine yet. That which groweth out of in its own accord of the harvest shall thou not reap. Neither will you gather the grapes out of the vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. Now, so on the seventh year in the nation of Israel and this was very crucial. In fact, it was their disobedience to this that brought them into a 70 year bondage in Babylon because they didn't honor the seventh year sabbath and continued working. All right? So the nation of Israel on the seventh year everybody stops what they're doing. And everybody goes into a state of rest. Say so how are we going to therefore be able God shows up during that sabbath rest. And things begin to happen. Powerful things, but it was a time of restoration for the land. So, one of the message, redemptive messages in the Abrahamic covenant was actually the way and manner they treated the create, creation and the earth. And so, people that talk about you know treating the earth properly, it's just that they don't frame it properly. You you can actually frame it from the scriptures. All right, the environment is part of The redemptive work of Jesus. We just don't want to go into that today. Or you say, well, the earth is going to be destroyed. Well, your body also is going to be destroyed. This body doesn't belong to the new life. But you still, all right, have a responsibility to your physical body to keep it because you live here. And you have a responsibility to your environment to keep it because you are living within this environment. In fact, the commandment Adam was given as his work. was the environment. So then he goes on and says, the Sabbath all right, shall be and all of this. And then he went on and said, and thou shalt number seven Sabbaths, in verse 8, of the years unto the seven times seven years, and the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be forty and nine years. So he says, you will do that every seven years, but then on the seventh year in that cycle, which means on the seventh time, in a cycle of seven years, which gets to 49 years, you will now keep on the 50th year, the grand Sabbath, which is called Jubilee. That is the acceptable year of the Lord. So what Jesus said, I was proclaiming. Remember that man who was infirmed, 38 years, Whom Jesus came to and said, will you be made whole of your infirmity? He said, I have no man. Jesus said, what I asked you was, will you be made whole? He said, the issue is, this thing is left to chance. Because an angel will come into the waters and stay at the waters, the first to get in, all right. God had that arrangement. And if you missed that particular point in time, or that particular season and time there, then you had to wait again for another season. Jesus said, what I asked you was, we are making what was a one-time, one of experience every year or every season. We want to make it a permanent future and an everyday occurrence. That's what I've come to show you, that Jubilee is no longer 50 years. Jubilee can be every year. Jubilee can be every day. Every year and every day can be the acceptable time for God to hear your prayer. For there to be total recovery in your life. For you to experience the favor of God. However, you must understand the spiritual essence of the 50th year. So what were they to do? Now you do that in your life and it's the 50th year. Verse 11, The jubilee shall that 50th year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither shall you reap. For it is the jubilee, it shall be holy unto you, and you shall eat the increase thereof out of thy field. Now in the year of this jubilee, you shall return every man to his possession. And if thou sell out to thy neighbor and buyest aught in thy neighbor's hand, thou shalt not oppress thy neighbor. So it goes on, and the whole essence of Jubilee was, on that 50th year, you are to cancel all debts anybody owed you. You are to restore. If you bought any slaves, you restore him back to his family. If anything was given as collateral for a loan that wasn't paid, you restore that to the person. It was a year of release, no oppression, debt cancellation, release of people, all right, from anything, every single person had a fresh start. So what does this mean? Remember the story of Jesus, that Jesus told, where he talked about a man who was in debt, And his family and his children were to be sold for that debt. And then the Lord there released him from the debt. And then this man was offended by somebody and held him to his throat and said, you will pay all. That what Jubilee means is all emotional debts that are owed me, every wrong that any person has done to me, under the blood of Jesus Christ, I cancel those debts and I release them from the consequence of it. Now, but it goes further. They are no longer in bondage or indebted to me anyway by any form of treatment that I received from them. That's what the prophet was saying in Isaiah when he said, I've labored in vain and spent my strength. was going to be angry at, and was saying, it's your jubilee, let go Of that debt, there. Let go of it. Cancel it. All right? Don't hold on to the people that they treated you wrong. He says, if you do that, then Jubilee comes in. Then you have entered into what he's calling the acceptable time. That is, you've made the time acceptable now for the Father to show up and answer all your prayers. You've made the time acceptable for things to begin to happen that you will wonder. That's how God turns captivity around. Why do you think Job, when he prayed for his friends and celebrated that in the realm of the Spirit, canceled the dead they owed him? The Bible says his captivity was turned around. That's what he's talking about in Isaiah, sorry, in Psalm 126. They that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed. It says, weeping may endure in the night. It says, but joy will come in the morning. It says, shall doubtless return with joy, bringing sheaves. How did they go from night? Because of the precious seed that they held. And what seed was it? The seed of forgiveness. In that night, dark season, they made a very powerful decision to let go and even go beyond that into something else. Let's look again at Isaiah 61. And again to the the substance of the message here. It says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. So that acceptable year is the day of God's vengeance. Well, so that why is why is his vengeance going to be shown? To comfort the purpose. That vengeance, they will see this. That word is not destructive. That word means God comes there to say, I'm a God of justice. I will repay you. Come into my own system. You know, the sages say this in the Torah, and that's what David was saying. When he said, I would rather go into God's hand, fall into God's hand, rather than fall into the hands of men. That that's where you get the system of the judge and the jury. So God is the judge, the jury are men. So the way this thing works is that when you find yourself in a situation, you have a choice. Either to go into God's hand as judge or to be in the hands of men as the jury. Now, if you walk in unforgiveness, then you've placed yourself in the hands of men and they can judge you and they can affect your life. But if you walk in perfect forgiveness, then you've moved out because you have said, I'm not going to participate in the jury here of exerting judgment on any person or the people that wronged me have released it And I have gone all right. So my own case on this earth will also be settled by the judge as I've allowed the judge to settle all my own cases. I didn't participate in any jury. So I'm not going to sit down to convince people that I'm right. And then somebody is wrong. No, we're going to leave it to God. We're going to place ourselves. So when he says vengeance is mine, he says I will repay Uh, He's not talking about, I will go and kill your enemy. He said, I will repay. That's why he says, when that vengeance is showed, it is to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them, this is what his vengeance does, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, and they shall build old waste places. That is what his vengeance does. His vengeance is not about killing people that treated you wrongly. You say, what do you mean by this? Let's go further. So the acceptable time is a time where you release everything and you place yourself in the hands of God and what you are saying in effect is this, Romans chapter 12. Verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Now I want to get into it now. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore if thine enemy be hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him to drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Now, he says, I will repay. Vengeance is mine. Now, let's look deeper at this. Then he says, Therefore, for this reason, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. Now, if he's thirsty, give him water, for in doing this, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Now, first of all, I want you to understand that that vengeance is that repayment is God coming to reward you. Look, for Paul lifted these from the book of Proverbs and chapter 20. He lifted it directly from Proverbs 25 and verse 22. Now it says, or well from 21, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head and the Lord shall reward you. That's where he got it. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. So he says, the Lord will reward you for what you have done by heaping coals of fire on the head of this person. That is, you have heaped coals of fire on his head. So, that's why he's going to reward you. Well, you say, you say well, you know, he, keeping colds of fire means you do things so that they'll be ashamed, so, you know, their conscience will eat them up. No. When you heap coals of fire on that person, what it means is, apart from the fact that you have canceled the debt that they owe you emotionally, Then you take a step further to fulfill something that the high priest alone used to do in the holiest of all. And because the way into the holiest of all is now made manifest for us, or to us, we can now go in and as priests perform this particular um, 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 ordinance over the lives of people that have wronged us. And it means to heap coals of fire on their head. The heaping of coals of fire on their head is to purge those individuals of the character defect within them that brought about that pain within our life. So it says, cancel the debt and then go into this ministry of reconciliation and heap coals of fire on the head of this person. It says, I will reward you greatly.
1: Thank you.
0: Let's look at Isaiah 61. And I got into the to the substance of the message here. It says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. So that acceptable year is the day of God's vengeance. Well, so that why is why is his vengeance going to be shown? To comfort the purpose. That vengeance there will see this. That word is not destructive. That word means God comes there to say, I'm a God of justice. I will repay you. Come into my own system. You know, the sages say this in the Torah, and that's what David was saying. When he said, I would rather go into God's hand, fall into God's hand, rather than fall into the hands of men. That that's where you get the system of the judge and the jury. So, God is the judge, the jury are men. So, the way this thing works is that when you find yourself in a situation, you have a choice. Either to go into God's hand as judge or to be in the hands of men as the jury. Now, if you walk in unforgiveness, then you've placed yourself in the hands of men and they can judge you and they can affect your life. But if you walk in perfect unforgiveness, Forgiveness, there. then you've moved out because you have said, I'm not going to participate in the jury here of exerting judgment on any person or the people that wronged me have released it and I have gone, all right, so my own case on this earth will also be settled by the judge as I've allowed the judge to settle all my own cases. I didn't participate in any jury. So I'm not going to sit down to convince people That I am right. And then somebody is wrong. No. We are going to leave it to God. We are going to place ourselves. So when he says vengeance is mine. He says I will repay. Uh, He is not talking about I will go and kill you. And He said I will repay. That's why he says when that vengeance is showed. It is to comfort all that money. To appoint unto them, this is what his vengeance does. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, and they shall build old waste places. That is what his vengeance does. His vengeance is not about killing people that treated you wrongly. So then he goes on and says, The Sabbath, all right, shall be, and all of this. And then he went on and said, And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths, in verse 8, of the years unto the seven times seven years, and the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be forty and nine years. So he says, you will do that every seven years, but then on the seventh year in that cycle, which means on the seventh time in a cycle of seven years, which gets to forty-nine years, you will now keep on the 50th year, the grand Sabbath, which is called Jubilee. That is the acceptable year of the Lord. So what Jesus said, I was proclaiming, remember that man who was infirmed, 38 years, Whom Jesus came to and said, Will you be made whole of your infirmity? He said, I have no man. Jesus said, What I asked you was, Will you be made whole? He said, The issue is, this thing is left to chance because an angel will come into the waters and stay at the waters, the first to get in. All right, God had that arrangement. And if you miss that particular point in time or that particular season and time there, then you had to wait again for another season. Jesus said, What I asked you was, We are making what was a one-time one of experience every year or every season. We want to make it a permanent future and an everyday occurrence. That's what I've come to show you. That Jubilee is no longer 50 years. Jubilee can be every year. Jubilee can be every day. Every year and every day can be the acceptable time for God to hear your prayer. For there to be total recovery in your life. For you to experience the favor of God. However, you must understand the spiritual essence of the 50th year. So what were they to do? Now you do that in your life and it's the 50th year. Verse 11, The jubilee shall that 50th year be unto you. You shall not sow, neither shall you reap. For it is the jubilee, it shall be holy unto you, and you shall eat the increase thereof out of thy field. Now in the year of this jubilee, you shall return every man to his possession. And if thou sell out to thy neighbor and buyest art in thy neighbor's hand, thou shalt not oppress thy neighbor. So it goes on, and the whole essence of Jubilee was, on that 50th year, you are to cancel all debts anybody owed you. You were to restore. If you bought any slaves, you restore him back to his family. If anything was given as collateral for a loan that wasn't paid, you restore that to the person. It was a year of release, no oppression, debt cancellation, release of people, all right, from anything, every single person had a fresh start. So what does this mean? Remember the story of Jesus. That Jesus told where he talked about a man who was in debt and his family and his children were to be sold for that debt. And then the Lord there released him from the debt. And then this man was offended by somebody and held him to his throat and said, you will pay all. That what Jubilee means is all emotional debts that are owed me, every wrong that any person has done to me, under the blood of Jesus Christ I cancel those debts and I release them from the consequence of it. Now but it goes further. They are no longer in bondage or indebted to me anyway by any form of treatment that I received from them. That's what the prophet was saying in Isaiah when he said, I've labored in vain and spent my strength. was going to be angry at and was saying, it's your jubilee, let go of that debt there, let go of it, cancel it. All right, don't hold on to the people that they treated you wrong. He says, if you do that, then jubilee comes in. Then you have entered into what he's calling the acceptable time. That is, you've made the time acceptable now for the Father to show up and answer all your prayers. You have made the time acceptable for things to begin to happen that you will wonder. That's how God turns captivity around. Why do you think Job, when he prayed for his friends and celebrated that in the realm of the spirit, canceled the debt they owed him? The Bible says his captivity was turned around. That's what it's talking about in Isaiah. Sorry, in Psalm one twenty six, they that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed. It says, weeping may endure in the night. It says, but joy will come in the morning. It says, shall doubtless return with joy, bringing sheaves. How did they go from night because of the precious seed that they held? And what seed was it? The seed of forgiveness. In that night, dark season they made a very powerful decision to let go and even go beyond that into something else. And what you are saying in effect is this. Romans chapter 12. Verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Now I want to get into it now. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy be hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him to drink, for in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Now, he says, I will repay, vengeance is mine. Now let's look deeper at this. Then it says, "Therefore, for this reason, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. Now, if he thirsty, give him water. For in doing this, you will heap coals of fire upon his head." Now, first of all, I want you to understand that that vengeance is that repayment is God coming to reward you. Look, for Paul lifted these from the book of Proverbs and the chapter. Twenty. He lifted it directly from Proverbs 25 and verse 22. Now it says, or from 21, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shall heap coals of fire upon his head and the Lord shall reward you. That's where he got it. Proverbs 25, 21, and 22. So he says, the Lord will reward you for what you have done by heaping coals of fire on the head of this person. That is, you have heaped Colts of fire on his head. So that's why he's going to reward you. Well, you say, say, well, you know, keeping colts of fire means you do things so that they'll be ashamed. So, you know, their conscience will eat them up. No. When you heap colts of fire on that person, what it means is, apart from the fact that you have canceled the debt that they owe you emotionally. Then you take a step further to fulfill something that the high priest alone used to do in the holiest of all. And because the way into the holiest of all is now made manifest for us, or to us, we can now go in and as priests perform this particular um, 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 ordinance over the lives of people that have wronged us. And it means to heap coals of fire on their head. The heaping of coals of fire on their head is to purge those individuals of the character defect within them that brought about that pain within our lives. So it says, cancel the debt and then go into this ministry of reconciliation. And heap coals of fire on the head of this person. It says, I will reward you greatly. Oh, you say, what do we mean by this? Before we get into the coals of fire, look at Isaiah chapter 6 here. Isaiah chapter 6, from verse 5 to verse 8. Then said I, now look at this, coals of fire. We'll see where it comes from. What is me for I'm undone and I'm a man of unclean lips? I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims, that's an angel, unto me having a live coal in his hand. A live coal means a burning coal. Now, this is what he says you also should do to these people. Alright? Remember, when Abraham took, alright, the king there took the wives, took Sarah, took all of that to himself, that, that, that God judged him and, and then God said, go to Abraham and let him pray for you. Now, the prayer and intercession of Abraham removed that sin of them. Now, this is what he's talking about. And then, in doing that, God rewarded Abraham also in his own life. Shortly after that was when there was the conception of Sarah, which means there was something going on. So, God brings Job's friends to him, he makes intercession for his friends. And the Bible says, and then God turned the captivity of, which means He rewarded. So, folks, you are on an assignment. The character defects in the people that caused them to hurt you. God says, I've placed their iniquity upon you. If you make your soul an offering for sin for them, in intercessory prayer, and some other things and doing good as the opportunity arises. In other words, you see the opportunity there, and you do good unto them, and they feel the love of Jesus coming out of you into their hearts, they will be purged of that particular thing. So it says, look at what it says here, a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar... You take something with tons of turns it, it's burning coal there, and then he took it and laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, no, this has touched thy lips, thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. In other words, when you place coals of fire upon the head of that individual, the iniquity is taken away, the sin of that person there gets purged. We are missing out on so much. Because of a lack of understanding. And he says, when you start practicing that, you are in the acceptable time of God. You are in the acceptable year of God Almighty. It is the set time to favor you. The night turns into daytime. you find life. you find things and people responding to you. God can come in with his mighty outstretched arm and gather things onto you without even your knowledge. For it is the repayment for the work that you did in His presence, and this we just feel well. The holiest of all that we have access to, you know, is so that we will be able to, you know, so that we as a people will be able to. We now have access into the holiest of all, and so we'll be able to. But it, it's it's deeper than this, right? Now Leviticus. Now we'll close with this. Now the Lord spoke, and this is about the Day of Atonement. Okay? This is the Day of Atonement. I want to see something. The Lord spoke unto Moses after the death of his two sons, and he said to him, Speak unto thy brother Speak unto Aaron thy brother, uh, verse two, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil, before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. Now, so he could only come, right, once a year. We know this story. And in order to come in, in verse 6, Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house first. And then he shall take two goats and present them before the Lord in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And then he will cast lots upon the two goats. And one for the scapegoat and then the one for the sin offering. So he will offer a bullock for himself. He will take two goats and cast lot. The one it falls upon, one becomes an scapegoat or scapegoat. The other becomes, alright, for the sin offering whose blood was going to be shed. And then it tells us in verse 11, And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself, and for his house shall kill the bullock of of the sin offering, which is for himself. And then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar of the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense. And he talks about this. So the coals he was talking about of fire that you place on the head of that particular person that offended you, is what he's speaking about here that comes out of the altar of God. And the spiritual significance here is that that individual is like making, quote-unquote now, an atonement, which means that it's taking the benefits of the atoning work of Jesus, and it's appropriating it into the life of that person to remove the iniquity of that person, the consequence of that person, and to purge that person of sin. And the way that person does that, he makes intercession for that person. Then he asks God that, God, you must give me an opportunity to show this person Right, that you open up the opportunity in the process of purging this person completely of this thing to demonstrate love to this person, to show this person some kindness and love as the opportunity arises that's that thing in the soul of that person because most of the time the treatment that people are giving to others is what was meted to them when they were young. And it's these wounds that were on the inside of them. And when you show them real love and compassion, then it enters into that part within their soul and heals them of that infirmity that resides on the inside of them. That's what really is going on. He says, and I will repay you for this. In fact, what they say in, in, in the Torah is that you secure your destiny by this practice. The day of atonement was the day Israel secured its future. You secured your destiny, your fate. In other words, the lines will fall always onto you in pleasant places and things will work out together for your good. This particular practice secures that in your life as a person. And you do that over people as a lifestyle. That's why it says, pray for them that despitefully use you. You can see what you're saying. Then he says, bless them that curse you. You can see what he say now. Then he says, do good to them that hate you. You say it. You pray, you bless, you do good, you love your enemies. And that is the foundation, if you read it, upon which you build your house. And a person who practices that, there is nothing they utter to God in prayer, Because they have kept two things. To get answers to prayers, you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you love your neighbor even as yourself. It says, when you do these things, there is an assurance you have in your heart before God that whatsoever you ask of him, whatsoever it is, you receive of him because you do that which is pleasing in his sight. Just like Abel offered the my sacrifice by which he obtained the witness that he was righteous. This type of practice deposits something on the inside of you. And you have a witness that what I utter to God in prayer, that I simply say, Father, I need a job. Father, we need more business. Just saying that, God honors that because his favor is upon that particular person. I said I should share that today. right?" Cancel people's emotional debt. Release them. Then don't just say, well, pray for, make a decision for them. And ask God in prayer, as the opportunity comes, I would like you to present me with an opportunity here for me to demonstrate good and to show this person the type of heart that I have. And I will be there. And by doing that to that person, we purge this individual of this harshness and heal that person. And then what God does in turn is that he repays you and he blesses you. And he blesses you as is described in Isaiah 49. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. Grant them grace to obey this, for their future is hinged upon this practice. Therefore, I ask you, grant them the inner strength to execute it. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.